2: The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
0: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James, and we are brought to you by The Athletic UK. And on this episode, we're going to look back at Fulham's 0 0 draw at Selhurst Park as once again Fulham with a better team and looked rock solid at the back but we were blunted by the Eagles Oh, how we could have done with pie team Kasami belting one in at the Holmesdale end today we're also going to be looking ahead to Thursday evening's game against Spurs at the Cottage and I'm joined today by Joe Sansom hello hello Guy Barlow hey and live from Dublin making his debut one of our newest writers on Fulhamish it's Colum O'Donnell Colm how you doing Hiya guys, How's it going now? Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much.
2: I'm looking forward to
0: it. No, it's good. We always like to have a debutant on the podcast. All right, uh, Joe, you are in charge of the three word reviews today. So uh, what did you go for?
1: Yeah, well, um, this is my first time ever doing this. So I thought, when in doubt, go to the Bird app. I've gone on Twitter um, <laughs> and found quite a few nice ones. So first up, there was Alistair Nimmo with Boring Eagles Assemble which I thought was quite good. Nice. Uh, Brian Lake, midday nap. Might have been better spent <laughs> using that than than watching the game. Um, we got King Cabano with that really sell hurts, which I thought was very good. Very
0: good. Yeah.
1: That's uh, good. Luke Norman with Hughes jinxes again, which I thought was probably true. Um, Mark Hughes in the studio, obviously today. Uh, Sam yeah. Branny with crystal clear opportunity. And then the last one, which is my personal favourite, was Epic Dwin with The Crystal Days.
0: Oh, very nice. If you like your 80s game show references, <laughs> then
3: that is definitely, definitely the one for you. I'm, I'm afraid that's, that's, that's gone way over my head. <laughs> the crystal maze <laughs> oh okay sorry yeah
1: <laughs> guy as soon as this is over you need to be on challenge straight away just watching some of the crystal <laughs> oh, yeah, maze. no, of course <laughs> uh, like uh,
3: is it richard o- blah, is, blah, blah.
1: Is, <laughs> it, is it
0: richard o'brien was the host uh back yeah, in the uh it. richard o'brien and then more recently um uh you remember what's the his name mm.
3: richard oh
0: it, Richard Ayawadi, yeah. that's it, yes. Um, I once um, went to the... I, I've done the Crystal Maze in London as well, the experience, which obviously you can't do at the moment, but um, it is very, very good. And the actual crystal where you collect the kind of raffle tickets at the end um, is exceptional. It's so lifelike. Honestly, I got so carried away when <laughs> I went. Um, it is absolutely amazing.
2: Snuck, snuck on into the car. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> I was so I was so blown away. It was so so good. Right, um I digress. Let's come on to the game then and well um Guy, let's just talk firstly about that first half because I came on the podcast last week and said how boring the first half of Fulham Sheffield United was. I feel like the Fulham team heard the podcast and thought, ha, you think that was boring? I can show you boring. <laughs> and my word, like it was embarrassing that first half, like nothing happened. Like actually there was barely a chance. And and like the BBC was just full on taking the piss at halftime because they just couldn't believe what they'd had to endure for 45 minutes. They were being paid to be there and they didn't want to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, the BBC at halftime, well, they, they had a chat about Line of Duty, didn't they, or something? Like, literally there was nothing <laughs> oh, else to talk about. Um, that
0: absolutely <laughs> kills me when they just started talking about Line of Duty. Like, they must have been wishing they had some adverts. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I mean, Mark Hughes is hardly, you know, the life and soul of the party either. So I'm not sure he was going to, you know, really um, make things interesting inside the studio. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, how much of that is down to us and how much of that is down to Palace, the fact that it was boring. I'd say you know, I'm, I'm going to portion a lot of the blame on them. Um, you know, like, they, they're they probably safe already, aren't they? They're going to pick up enough points in the next 13, 12 games to stay up. Um, yeah. And they've got a few injuries. So, I mean, like, I, I don't want to talk down Fulham, but they're, you know, Palace at home to a side in the bottom three. And they're playing that kind of football. You know, I, if I was a Palace fan, I'd be really quite... Angry, actually. I know they've got injuries, but like to not even even attempt to take the game to us um, when we, you know, could have been open. The fact that we need to win the game, we could have opened ourselves up later on. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one from a Palace fan fo- point of view, but from our point of view, we just look very blunt going forwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, Joe. Let's not be around the bush here. There's been times this season where I've been happy with taking a point. And, you know, most recently up at Burnley, I thought, okay, points better than none, didn't play that well. And, you know, sometimes you can't win every single game. But today does feel like a massive missed opportunity because Palace would be there until Friday and they still wouldn't have found the net Uh, we, it was it, we, it Basically, it was a gift of a game for Fulham. Palace without Wilfred Zaha can offer nothing. And I know they're solid at the back, but we we could be kicking ourselves come the end of the season that we didn't find a way to, to take all three points today because Palace were toothless and as, as toothless as maybe West Brom were apart from maybe more solid at the back.
1: Yeah, for sure. I was about to say about the West Brom game that this feels quite similar to that in terms of two points dropped. I don't think that this is one where I'm happy to take the point like I was against West Ham, for example, or Burnley, the same as you. Um, Palace, to me, didn't even try to win the game. Um, They had a few minutes of pressure in each half and nothing came of it. I was never concerned that we were going to concede and... um, Obviously, part of that is down to how solid we are at the moment. Obviously, we've got to give some credit to ourselves, but um, Eze didn't trouble us, had to get hooked off by Roy, um, probably their most creative player. Ayu and Benteke were completely pocketed by our defence and they didn't have an effort on target all game. I mean, the closest they came to scoring was Anderson's um, sort of knockback to Areola. Um, So it does feel like like two points dropped to me and I think that Sadly, this could be one of the games we look back on if we don't stay up. Um, What I would say, though, is Palace, this is sort of what they do. We all watched their smash and grab win over Brighton earlier in the week. They don't create many chances. They do just manage to squeeze points out of games where they may not deserve them on the balance of play. But they are defensively solid um, at home in particular, maybe other than that Liverpool game, if anyone comments that, when they lost 7-0. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first half was a bit of a write-off and then the second half we created so many chances. I really thought a goal was coming and I'm just gutted that we, we didn't get the ball over the line.
0: Yeah. Um, Colum, uh, Scott made two changes for this game. He brought in Kenny Tete and Bobby over reed for, for Robinson uh, and Cavalero. I think about it now and I'm not 100% sure they were the right changes. I feel like you know, he obviously brought Robinson on at, at half time to, to change things up because he felt like we needed more going forward. And I hate to say it, but I think Cavs maybe kind of deserves the start now. He, he's been bright ever since the Burnley game, really on the wing. He just looks really, really good. And look, I really love Be- Bobby Decker, Dover Reed, but I think Cl- Cavs playing him out the team now.
2: I'm on the fence about, about Cav a little bit. He's, I think there's that certain kind of aspect where coming off the bench and having an and he, and he's having an impact off the bench when he has started. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him a bit of a raw deal when he started. He is they've he, he's been up front a lot of the time. As 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 a are we
0: confusing him for when he played up front? You know, he was poor at centre forward. Don't get me wrong that
2: that's what i'm saying as well yeah that maybe that is is clouding my judgement a little bit because he was getting such an awful time and and we were giving him so much stick at that point but um yeah i think i don't know bobby was looking brilliant you know a couple of months back and he was our top scorer still is our top scorer and yeah he's he's having less and less of an of an impact on games he's he's getting less and less chances so on on the other side the uh, the Robinson, I, I love Robinson I love Robinson's uh, his kind of his get up and go he just, you know, he's constantly he puts so much effort, when he's going forward you know he's going forward he's putting so much effort in it and he's trying as hard as to get the overlap to get to the byline and get the ball in and I, that, that's that's what I love to see Ola, I, I suppose he's done a stellar job as well he's been in a different position nearly every, every week so I can't begrudge him a starting place either you know so it is kind of a bit of a catch-22 um but I think I I would prefer probably Ola and and Robinson maybe starting on and, and Kenny I don't know yeah I like Kenny as well it's, it's a hard one you know it's um mm. but if I was if I was picking the team I think I would have went I, I'd be going Robinson and 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 Ola at the moment Cav yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he probably does deserve a start now. Um, in the next game, look, he had a he had a great game the last time. did the, the last game against Spurs, don't forget, he got the he got the goal for us. So maybe there's something in that for Thursday night as well. That maybe this might be the time to put him in and put him on the wing and see see can he deliver consistently for for ninety minutes rather than the impact off the bench.
0: Guy, I feel like if there's one victim of the change of five at the back to four at the back, and and don't get me wrong, the change has been good. We might see it reintroduced for the next three games. Spurs, Liverpool, especially Man City, has been Bobby Dekadova-Reed, hasn't it? Because he thrived in that kind of hybrid position that he was asked to play. And I feel like since the move back to four at the back, we haven't quite seen the same Bobby Dekadova-Reed.
3: Yeah, I think I would agree with that um and I would add to it however that like his kind of falling off is actually seen a resurgence or maybe realizing the potential of uh, Loftus-Cheek I think in this four at the back he's I, I it could be anecdotal you know it could be coincidental but I feel like since we've made that switch he's come on leaps and bounds and Bobby's kind of dropped off and I mean you know it is a team sport, it's a squad game. So uh, uh, over the course of the season, you're bound to have players who have these certain dips. Um, yeah, Bobby just didn't seem on it today, did he? It kind of just seemed to bounce off him quite a lot. Whereas Loftus-Cheek, I thought, was one of the standout players for us. Um, yeah. So, you know, as soon as one player's form drops, another player's form might, um, you know, improve. And we've seen that. And unfortunately, so far, Loftus-Cheek hasn't, had the goals to back up his performances like Bobby did at the start and the middle of the season. But um yeah, I, I think there's a lot of promise there. And I was very, very happy overall with our midfield today, as well as our defence. You know, talk about the defence improving a lot. But like that midfield three of kind of Loftus-Cheek, Zambo and Reeds, I think they were all absolutely brilliant today.
0: I mean... Joe, I feel like the Loftus Cheek debate is never ending and there is so much of it on Twitter. He was good today. I don't care what any, I I see so much still as there is an agenda against Loftus Cheek and don't get me wrong. I think he has had some shocking performances for us this season, but he is getting better and better and better. And he was at the heart of everything good, the way he carries the ball, um, I think is tremendous. I think sometimes I wish he was a tad more adventurous and I sometimes still think he goes for the safe option rather than, you know, have some having an attempt on goal or trying to play a, a kind of real defense splitting pass. However, I, I just think his all round is contributing so much to us and that we've got some questions later on, which ask how does Kenny get back into this team? I don't know if it is. A, I don't know if he, you, you replaced Loftus Cheek at the moment in the form he's in. He, he is just missing a goal, as Guy said. Oh, we've lost Joe. Hang on. He shall be back. <laughs> he was so horrified by my suggestion yeah, yeah, that yeah. Ruben Loftus Cheek has <laughs> been good that he, um, he decided to leave the chat.
3: <laughs> is, is, he, is Joe anti RLC?
0: Well, I think that this suggests it. The fact that his internet has <laughs> cut out at the moment. In fact...
1: Hi, he... oh, sorry. My internet completely went there.
0: That's all right. We know that you've got an agenda against Lotus Cheek and you just didn't want to answer the question. But <laughs> I knew that it was um... going to look
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are your thoughts then on his performance today? I mean, clearly bad. Cause you, you actually switched off your router so that you didn't have to answer the question.
1: Yeah. I literally fled to the garden to avoid answering it, but no, in all seriousness, <laughs> I, I thought he was really good today. Uh, centrally, I really like him. And to be honest, I'd actually say centrally, I can't think of a bad game he's had for us. Um, I think it's when he's been out wide that he's been quite anonymous. Um, and so I, I think that in this system, um, I've seen a lot of comparisons with with Kearney. And I think that this is the sort of role that um, he needs to be playing. He's sort of the the link between the quite solid midfield pivot of Reed and Anguissa, um, who are great again today, as Guy said, and the attack. And that's what we've been missing is someone in between those lines. And I feel lately he's really stepped up.
0: Yeah, he has completely. I, I mean, you speak of uh, Anguisa and, and Colin, I... Uh, I saw today maybe the first kind of shades of criticism of Anguissa. I didn't really see it, but certainly there was enough people on Twitter. kind of disappointed with, with his performance. What, what did you make of it? Is, is it, is it just people looking for someone to blame or, or was there, you know, shades of a poor performance? We,
2: we spoke about the first two substitutions. I think the third substitution had a bigger impact than the first two did. And it was a bit of a negative impact. If you ask me, um, and it and and t- taking Anguissa off, and and I, I liked the I, I liked the uh the 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 kind of you know Parker's idea of going for it and let's get another striker on the pitch and let's go for the win. But really, um, Crystal Palace probably had their had their best, but not that they had a purple patch today. I think they had zero attempts, but they they were they got a little bit more dominant when Anguissa went off the pitch. Um, and Reed was left trying to cover probably too much space, you know, and we all know how great how great Reed is. Um and it's brilliant then when he has someone sitting in there beside him like Lamina or, or Angisa, but I really thought he made a big di uh, a, a, it made a big difference when he went off the pitch. I like Anguisa, I have to say, I really do, and he did have a tough time of it there, I think, when he when he came back after after his, his COVID um his COVID spell out. I thought he was having a but a, a bit of a. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be overly critical of him, but he was having a tough time of it. But I think he's he's been starting to to try and uh, to to find a bit of form back now again. And you know he's taking players on, and he's isn't he? I think he's top of the Premier League stats for taking players on, or or, or there's some crazy stat like that that I read during the week.
0: Well, yeah, it's him. It's him and Adama Traoré who are level for for dribbles, I believe, yeah. in, in yeah. the in the whole Premier League. Which, considering he hasn't played, you know, every single game, is is, is extraordinary statistics. But he just wasn't quite. He just wasn't quite there today, though, was it? It wasn't his best performance. Yeah, like, and... he,
2: he didn't. He didn't stand out. You know, he wasn't something. Someone that you would be talking about as as one of our best performers. But I think the impact that he actually has on the game was seen when he left the pitch. And where Crystal Palace did start to, like, I wouldn't say they got on top, but they were certainly, um, they certainly looked a little bit more dangerous when Anguissa was gone off. And maybe that's not just because Anguissa went off. That's obviously there's a change of system there, and 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 Harrison is left there by himself. Um, and maybe if anybody else was in there, they wouldn't have had that that impact. But I I do think. That had a kind of a negative impact on on Fulham's chances of, of winning the game when he went off.
3: Yeah, I I I wonder what Anguissa is being asked to do in this new system though. Like, is is he being asked to break up play like Reed does? In which case, you know, because Reed does that so well, that seems a bit redundant. Like, or is he being asked to get down the other end into the other box and like, um, you know, make make a killer pass, make an assist, which you know, Anguissa isn't the best at like which so which, which you know i think i feel like he's actually not suiting this system very well um i you know, i i don't really know what what you would do with him because he's clearly got so much talent but i just feel i didn't really understand what his role was on the pitch today is it is it literally just being a number 8 box to box because you know it, it needs to be more defined than that i think
0: i i think it is sometimes the case that you let Anguisa, Anguissa like you, you let him <laughs> flick yeah. the ball over players' heads, you let him kind of languish around the pitch because his talent sometimes speaks for himself. But I also think that if you watch some videos and stuff and you realize that he's going to flick it over your head, you know, nine times out of ten, and that he is quite lackadaisical in his approach with the football sometimes, I think probably a few videos might show you actually there's opportunities to win the ball off this lad. And, and sometimes I think he can be guilty of overplaying sadly. And and I think that's what makes him great, but also is his kind of fatal flaw at the, at the same time. Let's come on to the second half performance and Joe, I mean, Fulham was so much better after the break, and and I think that's deliberate. I think that Scott Parker doesn't mind if Fulham are quite tepid in the first half, as long as we go in at half time and he, he knows that our better fitness and style will eventually break down teams and create chances. And and to an extent, it worked for Parker today. And we joked before the podcast that Fulham's approach now—we watch the same game every single week. It's that we're amazingly solid at the back. We don't create a lot going forward. It'll either end nil-nil or Fulham will somehow nick a goal. Sadly, today, we didn't nick a goal. Against Sheffield United, we did. And and, and we had some great chances to get that goal. But unfortunately, Major's two shots either were saved by Gaeta went the wrong side of the post. It, it is really fine margins, This this style of football that we're adopting. And I prefer it to... I don't know, losing 3-0 every week, but also it's quite a frustrating style of football to watch because it's just the same every week. We just don't know if we're going to get a goal or not.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it almost feels like the game plan is to just stay in the game um, at the halfway stage, which I think would be fine um, for these next few, for example, when we're playing Spurs, Liverpool, City, but in games like the last two, Sheffield United and Iceland Palace, even Burnley before that, I, I want us to be on the front foot from a little bit earlier because the way we played in the second half, we were a yard quicker. Um, we were just first to everything. You could tell that there was intent there to just attack and attack and attack, and we did that. And I feel like if we played like that for the whole game, we would have we would have scored. And you know, it sort of fizzled out with about ten minutes left. Obviously. And Guisa went off and then Palace brought on, um, I think it was MacArthur, and they sort of started to win the midfield battle. But until then, I mean, we were all over them and Palace had to settle for a point. Um, It's a weird one because I was quite calm at half-time. I was frustrated, but I was calm because I knew that in the second half we would perform because I can't think of a second half... For quite a few months now, where we've been worse (laughs) than the first. We've, like, for Mm -hmm. example, the West Ham game, I feel was very similar to this. In the in the first half, we had the better of it, only just. Second half created so many chances and just couldn't find the goal. And they both ended nil nil. And then on another day, we could have won both. So I would like to see a bit more intent in the first half. Maybe I'll be a bit more lenient on that in the next few games, purely because we're going up against slightly tougher opposition than Crystal Palace. But um, in some of the more winnable fixtures, for example, we've still got to play Burnley at home, Newcastle at home, um, teams like Southampton away, Wolves and Leeds at home, in games like that. I would like to see us take the games that the opposition from minute one because we've shown that when we're on it, we can beat anyone. Um, and if we play like we did in the second half today, almost the way that we played against Everton for the whole game, we, we've shown that it will reap the rewards.
0: Yeah. I mean, Guy, every game is the same though, isn't it? Like Everton was the same game as today, but we just managed to score two goals in the second half. Burnley was the same game. Unfortunately, we we made a mistake and, con- and, and conceded one. Sheffield United was, was just as tepid. Do, do, uh, part of me worries that we can't sustain this. Long term, like surely there's going to be a game soon where we're going to fall apart at the back, or someone's going to figure out a way to to breach this defense. Particularly when we come up against teams like obviously City, we're going to find a way to win because they're Man City. But even teams like Spurs and Liverpool, who are on bad form, I don't know. Part of me just thinks that like this can't continue forever, where we're just so solid defensively. We do need our attack to also pull their weight.
3: It's actually very disappointing the fact that we didn't win today, you know, and i I think Sammy, you said that at the top, but that you know, ha- having spoken about it with you guys a bit more, that is actually just the feeling that's come over me just now because like, yeah, um we do need to be winning games like this, especially given the games we've got coming up, and yeah, the attack does need to pull their weight. I thought as combined with Anguisa going off, when major dropped deep and Mitro went on um I didn't think major. Was that good in that kind of.
0: No, it didn't work, did
2: it? You no,
3: know, secondary strike position. Um, but then there was a, a great moment. Do you remember in the second half? An amazing ball across from the right back. Um, Lookman ball in first time, and there was just no one in the six yard box to tap it in. And, like, I, you know, that's not a chance. But for me, I remember that because, like, I don't know, wh- wh- where is Major there? <laughs> like, he needs to be tapping that in. Um,
0: I, was surpri- I was surprised t- that he was so flat footed on that. Maybe it just caught everyone by surprise that Lookman decided to take it first time. But that is the kind of chance I would expect Major to profit from because, I mean, his movement is pretty good. Maybe he just was so caught out by it.
3: Yeah. And even in the first half, the first, you know, Anderson had like a couple of headers. The first header. He kind of flicked wide at the back post, but there was just no one gambling on the back post. They would they would have had tap him. And the the second header, he you know probably should have scored, Anderson. Um, it, it, and it would have been quite funny ha- had we just been talking about st- our strikers need to be pulling their weight. If Anderson had then popped up and scored the winner, Um <laughs> which he he you know he had a couple of chances to, to do that. Um, yeah, hopefully, I mean Sh- Scott's showing good intent. I think you know bringing on. Um, Cavallero pre 70 minutes changing Robinson at half time. I think he recognizes that we need to do more going forward. So I'm hoping the goals will just come.
0: Yeah, me too. Just quick um, straw poll on and J- Jokum Anderson over free kicks. There was a bizarre situation <laughs> where it was, you know, it's a really solid position for a free kick and obviously, you know, rest in peace, knee skins. He's gone up to the Northeast because otherwise if he was on the pitch, we'd know exactly who'd be taking that set piece where you had Tosin, Reid and Anderson over the ball for for a
2: really good free kick chance. They must have been watching Lewis Dunk yesterday. Oh, yeah. And and got the idea (laughs) from him. Um, But yeah, and in fairness, it wasn't a bad free kick. He nearly caught the keeper out and... It was, it ended up a good bit way, but the replay that you saw from behind,
0: it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad effort for them. No, it was a fair effort. I, I also was thinking though, like, right, Anderson's value is already through the roof. If we get this brilliant centre back that starts scoring <laughs> free kicks from 30 yards, like he, <laughs> if we do stay up the chances of keeping him when we got, when you got someone like that on the pitch, um, is pretty non-existent. Uh, I mean, Joe, looking at the rest of the relegation battle, um, there was a good result for us yesterday in the fact that West Brom beat Brighton. Um, Obviously, that does bring West Brom slightly into play for the relegation. I still think they've got a bit too much to do, but you do never know. Um, Newcastle drew with Wolves. So three points from both Newcastle and Brighton. Burnley got a tonking today. What's your kind of assessment of that relegation battle um, with, with about a dozen games to go?
1: Well, I think it's opened up a lot in the last week. I mean a few weeks ago we probably thought it was almost dead cert, bottom three, but possibly us making it out at the expense of maybe Newcastle. Quite a few teams are about ten points, even more adrift. I, th- I think that Burnley have been dragged back into it. I think that Brighton have as well. Um and West Brom obviously not completely out of it, but you've got to remember they would need to um there would need to be a six point swing them to even overtake us let alone get out of the relegation zone I think they might have left it a little bit too late even though they look a lot better um, so ours and Burmese fixtures look very tough over the next three to four game weeks I mean um, I know that we've got this horrible three game run uh, Burnley have got similar so I think the aim's got to be really stay in touch I mean we're still three points adrift but we're now three points adrift of Two teams rather than one, which is obviously great. Um, to try and stay in touch over this tough run, and then when Newcastle will have to play these teams later in the season because we've all got to play them twice. Hopefully, that can be where we strike and overtake them because um, Newcastle looked okay yesterday in that game against Wolves, um, and I was quite worried they were going to get the three points. So, all in all, I think results have ended up going our way this weekend, other than us getting the three points and. Um, It should be an interesting battle to the end of the season. I still really think we can do it. Um, And what I like to see is that I know it's just Instagram posts and also body language and stuff like that. It seems like the players really believe that as well, um, which wasn't the case two years ago.
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, we're only one win off getting our points total for 18-19. So you can clearly tell that there's such massive improvement from... Two years ago. And as you say, Joe, I also have that real positivity. However, I think maybe games like today rain us back in. I think I was sitting here thinking, well, I don't know why we can't go to Man City and win. And, you know, I think maybe games like today just make me realize, okay, we might get out of this, but it's going to be difficult. And I, and I don't think it's going to be settled much before the end of the season, uh, if it is. Okay, that's the Palace dissection out of the way. After the break, we're going to take a load of your questions. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I'm joined by Joe Sansom. Hello. Guy Barlow. Hey. And Colm O'Donnell.
2: Hi, there. All
0: right. Let's get into some of your questions then. I'll take a few from Twitter first of all. Uh, Charlie Boy, simple question. Uh, Colm, I'll I'll see what you think on this one. Is it time for Mitro to start? Obviously, Madge's got the nod uh, pretty much since he arrived at Craven Cottage. Um Mitro's back for from COVID. He didn't look amazing today, but I just don't think he really had any opportunities at all. Uh is it time for Mitro to start the these games against Spurs, Liverpool and City?
2: I was very much in the Metro in the in the in the Metro camp before Ma- Magic came in. I think I even wrote an article on Fulhamish about how we should stick with Mitro and we don't need another striker. Um and then and then Magic came in and he did what he did against Everton and <laughs> I I was I was suitably impressed and surprised, and I I I, I wasn't confident on an, a, a striker having an, an immediate impact. Um, and boy, was I wrong! And boy, was I delighted to be wrong in that Everton match. Um, but yeah, like you said, today we could put it down. To, we can put it down to his 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 COVID over the past few weeks, and um, and and maybe that's why he wasn't as lively as he as he usually is. But I I I'm a big fan of Mitro. Um, you know the the game against West Brom that first half. I know everyone was brilliant that day, but he was he was exceptional that day. While he didn't score, he I thought he was exceptional in that in that first half. And um, and I really kind of he 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 was he was he's been our top scorer for 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 years. So it that just doesn't disappear overnight. You know, you go through bad spells and that happens, but um. At the same time, Maja is, he, even today, he got in a great position for that header that the keeper saved. You know, nine times out of 10, that ball goes in either side, either side, left or right. That's in the back of the net, you know, and he got himself into that position. Um, Mitro probably hasn't been getting himself into those positions as while he's been playing. So, um, I would be, I would be tempted to stick with Maja for the, for the, for the next, for the next game let's see how he goes and if he progresses and maybe one or two games down the line if if he's not setting the world alight he hasn't had an impact on games then it's time for Mitro. but I wouldn't be rushing we 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 saw the impact that that COVID well sorry that we're we're speculating that COVID had on 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 Gisa. yeah it could it could be a similar a similar case with, with Mitrovic so maybe we we Give him, I wouldn't be starting him on Thursday anyway against Spurs, I don't think I'd be sticking I'd be sticking with Maja. Give Mitchell the last 20, 25 minutes, see how he goes. Um and I dunno if, if Maja hasn't hasn't had a, a big impact on the game, maybe it's a straight stop for, for Magia and, and and see how Mitchell operates uh, that way. And then and then look and, and at the same time with three very tough games coming up. Um I was I was dreading this double header. Um, with Liverpool and Man City and then all of a sudden the Spurs game got thrown in and it got turned into a, a, a horrendous triple header and <laughs> I, I was I was hoping we might get something out of Spurs and Spurs were, were off form a little bit and then they go and they bank four past Burnley today and Gareth Bale looks like the Garrett Bale of, of, of <laughs> six years ago now six, seven years ago, now only in one game and maybe in Europa League games but now on, if, if we get anything from yeah. From, from Spurs, i would be really happy. A point. I I I usually get frustrated, and that's been my overwhelming feeling after the last, after the the few draws that we've had. But if we get a draw out of out of Spurs on Thursday, I'll be really happy with that.
0: Jack Taplin asks. I'll go to you on this one, guy. Uh, will swapping RLC for TC give us more creativity in the middle? Our defense is finally sorted, and I feel our strikers would score more with the right service. Is a decent number ten our missing piece? Uh, we don't know where Kearney is, by the way, but he was pictured back in training this week. So you would presume at least within the month, you might have the option of Kenny.
3: Yeah, I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but I, I don't think I would bring Kearney back in straight away for Loftus-Cheek. Um, I feel like he's earned his place in the side right now. Um, and, you know, Kenny. And number 10s in modern football, they're kind of seen as a bit of a luxury these days, aren't they? Like, every player needs to work. You know, Loftus-Cheek does a lot of work challenging for headers from goal kicks or, um, you know, marking corners. And he offers more in that sense than Kearney might. So I think that that should be considered. Um, In terms of Kearney's fitness, you you know, he might not be... able to go back up and running straight away so i think that's also a consideration um there's no doubt that he is you know an incredibly creative player who could you know slides passes through to measure and you know we could be scoring for days um i just don't think that right now there is justification for bringing kenny straight back in
0: no i 100 percent agree guy like look i love kenny and and I think he can add a lot and, and might be a useful option off the bench if we're just, you know, not getting a lot of creativity in the side. Today, he might have been a useful option to bring on in the final 20 minutes for RLC. But, however, I think that a lot has to change for, for Kearney to overturn RLC from, from the starting lineup um, in the next few weeks.
3: There's a bit of an if, but I prefer Kearney when we're winning, you know, like he is the exact player you'd want to kill a game yeah. or to keep the ball and i think if that was a scenario i'd actually be more tempted to bring him on when we're winning rather than when we're losing um and yeah so that that that's that's what i'd like to see Kenny use for you know obviously once 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 we beat uh liverpool or man city in, in the next couple of weeks
0: <laughs> i mean you are totally right i've there's not too many players in the world where i just think when you're winning he's such a frustrating player because all the skills all the tricks come out and he finds space and he keeps the ball and he wins fouls that yeah you are 100% right when you're winning Tom Kearney on the ball can can be an absolute dream um 100% um Joe Thomas Ryland Jenkins asked what pace in terms of win draw loss do you gents think we need to hit in order to stay up we're three points off Newcastle and Bryson at the 26th game mark with 12 games left what point tally is realistic and required to stay up. Now, just before you answer, Joe, uh, I took a look at Mike Gregg, uh, 1966 MJG on Twitter, who is always good for kind of points analysis. Um, He often puts charts up saying what Fulham need to get in order to, well, last season it was promotion this season, it's survival. Uh, And he hasn't done any charts yet, but he did just say after the game, good chance that even if we lose the next three, we won't be more than six points behind the next team with an easier in inverted commas set of teams to play over last nine games. There's still plenty of time to make up, pick something up from these three coming up. And it's a bonus. Obviously in the last few games, Joe, we've been picking up kind of four points every two games. And well, that's a hell of a ratio if we could do that between now and the end of the season. But what's your kind of prediction for for the points tally required and what kind of pace Fulham need to keep up over these next dozen games?
1: Well, so there's a a few things you can use to like have a look at what you predict the fixtures would be um, online. And a few weeks ago, I think it was before the Everton game, I gave it a go and I tried to put in honest answers for example I said that we'd lose um a goodison park um just to show that I'm not biased saying we'll win every game um and and back then um the the survival rate was at something like 32 points very low um now if I read it now I think it would be a lot higher than that I I, I reckon you've got to get I I think it's going to be something like 37 to be okay um Possibly, just just, I'm just looking at the fixtures and I'm thinking Newcastle have improved. They've got quite a few winnable games left. Whether they will win them is another question. Um, Brighton and Burnley are the same. Um, And I think to overtake them, I think we're going to need something like that. I think the best way of looking at it for us is if we match Newcastle every game until the last day of the season and then beat them on the final day, we will stay up. Um, yeah. unless there's a huge goal difference swing. So that's the way I'm trying to look at it. But a few weeks ago, everyone was saying, oh, might need about 35 points. But I'm thinking it's getting slightly bigger than that at the rate that teams are starting to pick up points.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I think 37 points is is, is bang on the money for, for what's going to be needed. Um, and I I, did, I I was kind of doing it myself, predictions in my head. And I in my opt- the optimistic side of my of my brain was telling me that we'll get to thirty seven points. Um, and and actually at this point I had a stand to have twenty two points. So <laughs> so we're 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 one ahead of, of where I thought we would be, but I also I also thought that we might get a point off Spurs and after looking today maybe it's a different but I, I think thirty seven points is, is bang on the money as well, yeah.
0: Well I mean thirty seven points is just over a point a game. And Fulham have been getting much more than a point a game in recent weeks because well we're not really losing very many. And if we can just stay on this kind of near unbeaten run where, of course, we're going to lose the big games, we're going to lose to Man City, aren't we most likely? But if we can keep it up at roughly just over a point a game, then then we get towards 37 points and we give ourselves a chance. Right. And if we can get anything above that, then we give ourselves a a real chance. Uh, I've got a few questions that are slightly um, away from Current teams, uh, etc. Um, Carl Kent um, talks about uh, Mitro and Kearney and whether Kearney comes back, but it's talking about the captain's armband. Um, Column: A lot of importance is placed on on the captain's armband, potentially too much, but it is quite interesting that Yoke Anderson has been given the armbands in absence of Kearney and Mitro and he got it very early on and considering he's a low knee with no option, I mean I think it more speaks volumes about the kind of influence that he has in the dressing room. But Carl asks with Mitro and Kearney eventually coming back, do you think Anderson will keep the armband?
2: I I hope he does, to be totally honest. And I, I get I get your point about him being being a lonee and um and and no option at the end of it. But I think we're all about the here and the now. Um I think we, we can't even start to look towards next season. I'm I'm I kind of use the the Aston Villa kind of theory, you might call it, where they barely survived last year and look at them this year, you know. I think this year we just need to survive. We need to do whatever whatever we can and whatever we need to do to survive this year and then you look towards next year and you look towards the future and building a solid Premier League team. So, I I, I think Anderson is displays on the pitch. Whatever about you know these captains um, who are who are influ- influential and who roar in the dressing room and you know the Roy Keane type of type of captain. And um, I don't know maybe Anderson is like that in the dressing room as well. Um, but he is definitely leading by example. On, on the pitch and that I think is just crucial in a captain I'm thinking every time Fulham play on the BBC you know or or, or anywhere it, the, the, and I know Loftus-Cheek is starting to come into it a bit but they're always obsessed with Loftus-Cheek and talking about Loftus-Cheek and how important he is to this Fulham team you know whereas I think Players like Anderson and Tosin, they are the players who are so important to this team. And without those players, look at where we were at the start of the season when they weren't here. We were leaking goals left, right and centre. I thought it was going to be two years all over again where we just didn't hadn't made any progress. But Anderson is just leading by example on the pitch. And I think let him, leave him as captain for the rest of the season. Then at the end of the year, we see where we go from there, Whether whether he stays or whether he goes, whether... I know there's no option there's no option at the end of it but whether we can sort something out um, and then a decision is made in the summer but let's concentrate on this year Anderson has been probably I think our most influential player or one of the top 3 definitely of our most influential players so far and I think he's doing a brilliant job as captain so leave leave him at it for, for the time being
0: uh Next question I can answer because I've done some research for this. Um, Drexian Connections says, hey, man, question for the pod. What is our record with early kickoffs? We have only one at night this season. And through the years, Fulham seem much better after dark.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. I do remember we were the Friday Night Kings last year.
0: Yeah, we were. We were. Well, look. Jackson, there's only so far that I'm going to go back and do research for for the pod, but I can tell you that this season, our record, I've I've kind of judged dark by UK standards. So anything before a 4pm kickoff, uh, Fulham have played 11, drawn four and lost seven. So yeah, our record on early kickoffs is not good. However, I will temper that with the fact that in recent months, we haven't had very many and and it was very kind of front ended the amount of early kickoffs that we had. So I don't know if it's necessarily to do with the time of day or just the time of season that we've had early kickoffs. But yeah, there definitely is something about us uh, playing at night like um, vampires. Uh, we, we, we come alive. Um Guy um, Marek asks, my question would be, how do you compare our style of football to Leeds? in brackets near opposites? And are there lessons to be learnt there? Sure. Some games uh, leads get spanked four nil, but others they win by three or four goals makes for more interesting football and also crucially a higher points tally. Interestingly, they've lost more games than us this season yet are in the top half of the table. Now I think there's lots of things at play here. Look, we we know what Bielsa can do. And I think if Scott tried to turn us into a Bielsa side overnight, it would not end well. But he does raise an interesting point that it is kind of mad that Leeds have lost more games than us this season, yet are comfortably going to be in the Premier League next season. And yet Fulham are on this crazy, unbeaten run, but are in serious danger of going down.
3: Yeah, um, I think, you know, without wanting to get into a big recruitment chat, like, our, our season started on the 6th of October, didn't it, really? Like, that's the current iteration of this team now. Um, and it's such a shame that we, you know, they, you know, we lost eight out of the first 11 games. So, like, that's where our losses came. And as Colin was saying about, you know, captaincy, I think the same goes for style. Like, we just got to stay up. I mean, um, I'm not that Fussed at the moment um, how we do it or if we're going to you know create loads and loads of chances a game Um, I think Scott's been quite um, fluid with his style over the time he's coached us Uh, you know in the championship it was probably just you know get it to Joe Bryan and cross it into Mitro at the start of this season who knows and then now it's kind of built on defence and then we'll take it from there which is exactly what you need to do to stay up so I think you've just got to take each squad on its kind of merit. So Leeds squad is built to play that way. Ours isn't. Um, Let's stay up. And then we'll talk about uh, style and, you know, not playing horror football like Hodgson did today.
0: you talk about like the blueprint for staying up and I I watched a great video that was released um, this week by TIFO football, which is part of the athletic and you can subscribe to the TIFO football YouTube channel. And it was, it was all about how Sam Allardyce keeps teams in the premier league. Now, unfortunate release time for the video, given what's happening at West Brom, although he's really turning them around in recent weeks and Sam Allardyce has kind of seven key philosophies of keeping teams in the Premier League. And obviously there's a couple that Fulham aren't doing, which is um, playing it long to a big man striker. But part of Sam's philosophy is keep games really tight and, and, and solid defenses stay up over time. Teams that don't concede too many goals do stay in the Premier League. And, And that is my hope. And yes, I would love to be Leeds right now. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to be winning games like they are. And yes, I know they get battered, but of course we trade positions to be leads right now. However, right now, as Guy says, especially as we're not even in the bloody grounds, I don't care if we have more first halves like we did today. Yes, it was diabolically bad in terms of entertainment value, but if it keeps Fulham in the premier league, I don't mind watching paint dry for 90 minutes for the next 12 games. If it keeps Fulham in the league, um, Joe question here. Well, not really a question, more of a statement, but I'd like to get your opinion on it from, from Matt Jackson. I had this email, um, into the Fulhamish inbox. Uh, hello at Fulhamish.co.uk. If you ever want to send us an email, by the way, it's not just Twitter. We take questions from the title of this email. <laughs> worst Fulham team I've seen in 25 years. <laughs> uh, Matt says, I can't believe Scott Parker thinks this negative languid style of football will get us out of trouble. I'd rather we went down with a fight. And as for the finishing of this hold the ball type of football is quite frankly abysmal. Matt, Fulham fan for 45 years. Um, Joe, your thoughts on on Matt's thoughts? And I mean, it was dreadful today, but was it that bad?
1: Uh, No, I don't think so at all. And I'd love to know what Matt was doing in the years between about 2013 and 2016. (laughs) <laughs> because I thought that was quite a bit worse than this. Um, I mean, I, I've i seen quite a few things on Twitter recently about um, people that, I think it was around the time of the Leicester game when we lost, and it was one of the poorer performances. And people were questioning, oh, we've got a team full of lonies and people like Anguissa who won't be here when we go down, they don't care. And sort of Matt sort of hints at it there, saying about the fight. I, I I see players that are really fighting for the club and are really trying to win every game. I think the style at times is not the best on the eye. Um, I don't think that in terms of like being long ball football or anything, sometimes it's a bit dull when it's just sort of keep ball, but we're in games We're in every single game we play, we have been since we changed the formation and we changed it again and it's worked even better. Um, And to be honest, if we started playing like, for example, really, really expansive football, going gung ho every single team, we would concede more goals and we've seen that the attack's not quite good enough. So we would therefore lose more games. And so to be honest, I understand what he's saying in terms of at times, it's not the best on the eye, but I disagree that it's bad football. I think that it's effective football. And I think that if we keep playing like this, we've got a very good chance of staying up. And obviously, if we can stay up, um, then we can progress. Hopefully we can do something like Villa did in terms of, Um, attracting some better players, maybe playing a slightly more attractive style and ultimately finishing higher up in the table. But for the time being, I think Park is doing everything he can with the resources he's got and then some.
0: I totally agree. And look, Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and Matt, fair enough. Like at times, I think it was maybe the worst game I've seen for 25 years. Like in terms of the first half, I can't remember many more. But I I don't know if I can agree. But I appreciate your take, and um, do please keep emailing in. I'd uh, I'd love to hear from you just over the years. Maybe maybe it'll just be like worst Fulham team I've seen in 25 years in one week. I just like a (laughs) weekly update (laughs) until which point you don't think it's the worst Fulham team. All right, we're gonna take uh, another break, uh, and then afterwards we're gonna look ahead. to Thursday's game against Spurs. It's like we're back in the Europa League. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here with Colm, Guy and Joe. Let's look ahead then to Spurs on Thursday. And this one's been quite hastily rearranged, not as hastily as the other Spurs game this season. but (laughs) Spurs were due to play in the League Cup final, I think the 24th of April. And therefore, our game's been moved forward because that was the date of our league game. There are lots of other rearranged um, league games this midweek because of any team that was playing in the FA cup quarter final, their games have been rearranged to, to this game week. So um, it is a bit of a rearranged one. And and Colin Spurs have had a strange season. At one point, I genuinely thought they were going to win the league when they beat Man City earlier in the season, two nil in November. I genuinely thought that this was the year and Jose was going to, of course, win the league when there was no fans and it was a, <laughs> a strange season, but They've massively fallen off and um, they find themselves kind of outside the even Europa League places at the moment, but did get a four nil win against Burnley and do seem to have maybe turned a corner after a particularly difficult patch in February.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I actually asked friends in a, in, in a WhatsApp group when Spurs were flying and I, I actually said, Um, is is Jose Mourinho good again was the question I asked him and literally from that day that I asked that question Spurs just went downhill so um but look yeah like you said I I I wasn't I wasn't fearing the Spurs game I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't going out there thinking this is a guaranteed three points against Spurs but I I wasn't dreading it like and and I'm kind of I have to say I'm I'm kind of feeling the same about the Liverpool game as well. I, I wasn't, it's the Man City game. I think we just have no hope in and it's it, the other two games I was hoping to get something from. But then seeing Spurs today, I had it on in the background and they really they really put put a good performance in today. Now, my, having said that, Burnley did push very high up and probably did leave a lot of space for Spurs to, to 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 break into. So, you know, when teams do that, and that happened a couple of times at the start of the season as well for Spurs and and they were getting similar results to this. So hopefully I'm just hoping today was a once off and that on Thursday they're back to how they were over the last few weeks. And we have a if they are, we have a genuine, we have a decent chance of getting Something off them, um, and I, I firmly believe that about the, the style of football that we're playing, and this, and and the way that 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 Parker has put this team out. I really do think that we have a chance of getting something out of any match, any any from any team in this league, maybe bar Man City because they're just so awesome and they've twenty games won in a row. Um, but I think any other team, and I include the likes of Liverpool and Man United in that, I think Fulham always have a chance of getting a draw at least and then maybe nicking a goal, you know, and, and stealing a win. Um, you know, Everton were right up there when we beat them, when we beat them 2-0, you know. Um, so I really, I, uh, it all depends on what Spurs turns up on Thursday. If it's the usual Spurs that we've been used to over the last two months, three months, definitely we have a brilliant chance. If it's the Spurs that turned up today and the Garrett Bale that turned up today, yeah. I think we could be in for a, a tough, a tough game.
0: Yeah, guy, I mean the return of Gareth Bale to form is definitely the the interesting thing for Tottenham. It does seem to have turned them around. He's been such a bit part player, and then all of a sudden it's almost like Jose found him at the back of the changer and went, Oh, we signed Bale. Oh, <laughs> Oh, you're quite good at football, aren't you? I remember you from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on then, have a go. And actually, yeah, unsurprisingly, Bale remembers how to play football well.
3: Quite funny, yeah, that he's coming to form, you know, the week before that we're due to play them. Um, I still think that, I know they've got a clean sheet today and they may have got a clean sheet against some Austrian farmers on Thursday or whatever, but like, <laughs> they, 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 they can't defend at Spurs. I, I feel like that they, you know, they've got Eric Dyer and Sanchez and Alvaro was. I? I they're all average centre-halves, I think. I, I, and I know we're not exactly lethal going forward, but I still don't think, you know, um, I, I, I'm... Who, actually... who would
0: you prefer? Who would you prefer? Would you prefer our centre-back pairing or Tottenham's?
3: Uh, yeah, no, ours. I'm going to say ours based on form. Um, I mean, I'm not the... I I, I I know this may be slightly against the grain, but I'm not actually a big fan of Tosin personally, but um, I, I think he's playing well this season. Um, but yeah, at the moment I have arts, definitely. Um, wow! Yeah, Spurs can be got at. Like it's as simple as that, really. Yeah, they've got a good going forwards, but you know they're a M- Mourinho team, who Mourinho loves defending, and this Mourinho team can't defend. So I think we've we've got all the, all the chance in the world to go and get a result.
0: I think what worries me slightly about Spurs and Joe, I don't know if you think the same. If you look at their recent form and look, they've been poor since the end of January. Right. In fact, maybe since the turn of the year uh, and we got a good point against them and you could say, yeah, they've had a lot of defeats lately, but those defeats have been Liverpool. Brighton was probably the the weakest defeat, but we know that Brighton can be good on their day. If they can actually find the net and and score penalties, Um, they lost to Chelsea, a resurgent Chelsea. They lost to Everton in a ding dong of an FA cup game. that could have gone either way. And yeah, they got humped by man city and lost to a very, very good West Ham team. They haven't exactly been losing like terrible games lately. And I just don't think that, we can read too much into Spurs' form. They are beating teams that they should be expecting to beat. And, and look, Fulham are one of those teams. Um, but they are obviously not winning those kind of top six battles that they'd hope to be winning. I just, I, I'm worried about overconfidence going into this game because we do have to remember the, the quality that, that Spurs have.
1: Yeah, that this is going to be a really tough game. And probably out of those matches that they've lost that you've just listed, The most suspect one from a Spurs point of view would have been the Brighton game. You've got to remember, they didn't have Harry Kane for that game. Um, They look like they're coming into this game pretty much fully fit. Um, Obviously, not sure if Bale can play again. I think he got hooked at about 70 minutes today. So maybe the thinking behind that was that he could start against us again. Um, I'm nervous for this game, but the motivation for the team should be that anything we gain from this... um, is more ground gained on Newcastle. They don't play midweek, so we'll have played a game extra. We win this. We're out the bottom three. Um, we get a point. The gap's closed. Um, and Newcastle's game that so basically this this fixture should be played um, when the League Cup final is being played um, in April. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle's fixture that weekend, which is their game in hand technically, is Liverpool away. Um, which I would argue is probably the slightly tougher of these two games at the moment. Um, yeah. So th- that's the way I'm trying to look at it. We we, we we played them just over a month and a half ago, maybe, as you said. We played very well that day. And it, it was just one moment of brilliance from Regulon and Kane that unlocked us. Um, the problem we've got is that with those players in your team, there's always a chance that could happen no matter how poorly they're playing. So I think that we're going to need to score on Thursday evening, and that's my main worry. Um, I, I'm, I'm far more nervous about having to score than we are having to keep them out um, in a weird way. I wouldn't be expecting to say that about a Fulham team going up against Harry Kane and Sarn and Bale. Um, but I, I, I think we can get something. I'm not going into this game confident purely because of what I saw from Tottenham today playing against a team that is obviously um, Burnley and... A similar level to us, even though I think that we are better than Burnley at the end of the day. Obviously, the table doesn't lie, sadly. Um, So I'm nervous about this game, but I think we can pick up something. And the way I'm trying to think of it is anything we pick up here is ground gained because I don't expect Newcastle to go to Anfield and get a result. So I won't be thinking of it as, oh, we've played an extra game than them, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that is very, very true. Um, I hadn't really had the foresight to look up who Newcastle are playing that day. So hundred percent, um, I think that this is definitely one that Fulham can see as a bit of a bonus. Right. And, and whilst you don't want to throw games away, I think that was a mistake that we made two years ago of having just games where it's a free hit. I think that we can go to spurs and cause some problems. I think we just have to be realistic really. And if the kind of unbeaten run does come to an end, then that will be a shame. But when you face these bi- top sides, as you say, with Kane, Son, Bale, um, and Dombele, who can score a goal out of nowhere, there is a chance that Fulham will lose, but fingers crossed we can do something special. The game is at 6 p.m. on Thursday. As I said, very Europa League vibes. Um, <laughs> BT sport, the game is on. So, uh, if you're in the UK, the game is on BT Sport and, whatever the coverage is on BT Sport, it won't be Mark Chapman um, delving to the depths of having to discuss line of duty in order to fill 15 <laughs> minutes today for the halftime break. I really felt for him, right? That <laughs> That is when you earn your money as a broadcaster, when you're faced with 15 minutes with Alex Scott and Mark Hughes in a room trying to discuss the worst <laughs> half of football <laughs> that I have ever seen. So fair play to, to Mark Chapman, you earn your 200 grand or whatever you earn a year. Right. Um, let's uh, leave it. There, then, for the podcast today, all we need to do is name it. So, Joe, uh, you're in charge of the three word reviews today, which means you are in charge of naming the podcast. What would you like to go for?
1: I'm a massive game show fan, I'm gonna have to go for the crystal days. Amazing. Maybe um rather than
0: the um Fulhamish theme tune for for leading us <laughs> out, maybe I should put the Crystal Maze theme tune to uh to exit the podcast today. Does that sound good? I think that sounds good to
1: me. I'm going to go and watch it on Challenge right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, the podcast will return on Friday a little bit later than usual. Uh, myself, Jack, and Peter, of course, because the game is on the Thursday, so we'll push back our. Podcast podcast and we'll be looking back at that Spurs game and looking ahead to our trip to Anfield so uh, all remains for me do is thank my guest Joe Sansom thank you very much and a great podcast name great thanks Sammy uh, Guy Barlow thank you very much cheers Sammy uh, and Colm a wonderful debut all the way from Ireland uh, we'll definitely have to get you on again
2: thanks Sammy see you again
0: It's nice, um, obviously, we've had Jack on the podcast for years and years to have a real Irishman (laughs) on on today's podcast. (laughs) Not the fraud Irishman that's uh, been on this podcast for for such a long time. So well done, Colin. All right, have a good week. And fingers crossed we can do the business on Thursday. Come on, you whites. Up
3: the footer.